0: Hi, I'm Leah Lane, an award-winning travel writer and author of Places I Remember, Tales, Truths, Delights from 100 Countries. On this podcast, we share conversations with travelers about fascinating destinations and memorable experiences around the world. In episode 27, we talked about Maine on the Northeast Atlantic coast. In this episode, we're going to the opposite side of America, to the Pacific Northwest, America's east and west coasts are both filled with character and beauty, and they both even have fabulous foodie cities named Portland. We're talking about the states of Oregon and Washington, known for watery pleasures, Pacific coastline, islands, waterfalls, rivers, and freshwater lakes, and rainy weather. But surprise, the Pacific Northwest not only has one of the wettest rainforest ecosystems, it also has one of the driest, a desert in the eastern areas. And it has not only mountains, but one of the tallest mountains in the contiguous United States. And, of course, there are the glittering cities of Portland and Seattle. Our guest is Marie Sutro, an award-winning, best-selling author for her crime thriller, Dark Associations. And her latest book is Dark Obsessions, set in the Olympic Peninsula of Washington State, where Detective Kate Barnes, like so many other travelers, seeks to find some peace and instead finds another murder case. Welcome, Marie, to Places I Remember.
1: Thank you, Leah. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Now, you use the Pacific Northwest as a setting for your book, and we're both familiar with its pleasures. So, let's talk about the region. We'll start with Portland, Oregon's largest city. It's on the Columbia and Willamette Rivers in the shadow of snow-capped Mount Hood. What are some things not to miss in and around Portland?
1: As you alluded to, Leah, the entire area, the entire Pacific Northwest is so very special. And part of what makes it special is that natural beauty. But the other part that makes it special is this sense of independence and creativity. And there's really no better place to find that than in Portland. I think it was, I want to say it was back in 2013, they came up with the tagline of keep Portland weird.
0: Oh yeah. Well. They've succeeded. (laughs) They have succeeded. And
1: really that sense of independence, of creativity, uniqueness, individuality, it's on display everywhere all the time. There are unique cafes, unique restaurants. There are folks walking down the street that are just being their best self, whatever that means. If it means that they want to get up and dress in full movie regalia as a zombie, that's what they do. (laughs) So it's it's really a fascinating place. And just going there, you feel that sense of independence. So just and walk it, around
0: the streets, right? Just keep it, take a walk and you'll feel Portland. Absolutely. Or sit in a cafe and just people watch
1: and, and pick up that vibe. And I think the more you're there, the more you start
0: to unleash your own inner weird too. <laughs> well, that sounds like fun. Now, what are some of the places we can do it specifically? Some of the pretty places and natural places that are so well-known about Portland?
1: Well, one of the biggest features for me is the Columbia River Gorge area. It's just about 30-minute drive outside of Portland, and it's where the Columbia River cuts through the Cascades on its way out to the Pacific Ocean, and it is absolutely a phenomenally beautiful, beautiful area, just like all of the Pacific Northwest, full of vibrant ecosystems and wildlife. And it's also full of some really, really magnificent waterfalls, some really great lookout spots. And one of my favorite things to do is there's an old scenic route that they built back in the time when cars were first getting on the roadway. And that route kind of takes you through all the great spots with the waterfalls that you want to see. La is Terrell. that the Wildwood Trail? It's, it's part of that whole region through there. And the, the La Torrelle Falls are beautiful. Like I said, there's so many falls, but La Terrell stands out because it is just a large, continuous drop of hundreds of feet absolutely breathtaking. One of my other favorites is Multnomah Falls, which is over 500 feet, but it steps down gradually. And Mm. there's a beautiful bridge that spans in between one of the steps and just an absolutely magnificent place. There's also Vista House. If you're only going to be able to run outside of Portland for a few minutes during the day and you have to run back, make sure you go to Vista House. It was built in, I think, 1918. It's a completely round building. So you really get to walk around and enjoy the vistas. And it sits up on the rim overlooking the Columbia.
0: That was great. It sounds like a perfect area to just get away. You can work and then you can have a day trip or a half day trip and, and, and see this gorgeousness. And tell me about Washington Park. The
1: beauty that's on display, the nature the festivals and events that they hold there, definitely a major draw and again, a great place to people watch.
0: They've uh, got four acres of roses. I was there at, at, during when the time they were blooming one June and it was a spectacular thing. And one of the things I loved about it was the tea plaza in the garden, I guess you would call it. And I've noticed that, that while Seattle is known for coffee, Portland has a lot of tea rooms. You can have Japanese tea ceremonies, Chinese tea ceremonies, English high tea, and you can have all types of tea and often in gardens. It
1: really is. And they, you know, I I use that little fun phrase of keep Portland weird being a tagline, but they also call it the city of roses. So absolutely for, for fans of flora and fauna, you can't go wrong in Portland.
0: How about Powell's Bookshop? Is that still open?
1: Another favorite, obviously as a writer, that's a huge favorite of mine. For people who don't know, it's the world's largest independent bookstore. And it's multiple stories, and they carry used and new books and have amazing authors.
0: I know whatever they do, it's going to be special. People love Powell's. Absolutely. There's a whole scene, the creative scene, as you mentioned, is is so great. There's something called the Forest for the Trees Festival every August, where artists sort of help to paint a mural. They may not be mural painters, but they are given a a wall, and then their designs are blown up to a massive scale. Maybe a hundred of them all over Portland. So it's really grabbed onto that one. And the food scene, of course. Uh, Tell me about something called Voodoo Donuts.
1: Okay, so Voodoo Donuts is so fun. Not only are some of the best donuts that you'll ever get, obviously maple and bacon draws a lot of folks in, but their signature little Voodoo Donut is, he looks like a voodoo doll. And he's got the little eyes X'd out, And unfortunately, there's a little spot where a pin goes into him. So. Oh, my. <laughs> That's really <Yeah>. real. <laughs> but again, some of the best donuts you'll ever find. In your mouth.
0: I like the markets there. There's the Portland Mercado, which is a Latin American public market. There's the Jade District, which is a very vibrant community of immigrants where you have all these interesting foods. There's a great food scene. We all know that from five-star chefs to... Street food, street carts. I know there are lots of food carts, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. And one of the fun things for me is when I travel, I always like to do the mix. I mix between being in the city and being out in the countryside. And then with the food, I love to go anywhere from a food truck all the way up to a five-star restaurant. So you're right, you can get it all in Portland.
0: The same with hotels. You know, I used to do a lot of hotel reviews for photos and lots of other guidebooks. So I appreciate noteworthy lodgings. And there are all kinds of interesting lodgings in Portland. There's a company called McMenamins, which uh, restores historic buildings. It has over 50 properties. One of them is the Kennedy School on Portland's East Side. It's converted 1915 elementary school where you can see a movie in the former school auditorium. I love it. That's Portland weird.
1: But it's also Portland great. And the diversity, like you said, one of the fun things is to go out and stay at one of the resorts out along the Columbia River Gorge or any of the great little B&Bs or just rent a house you know, yourself. It's an amazing variety of perspectives. And you learn so much about not just what keeps Portland weird, but what are your own little quirks? And, and it brings out so much in you as a person to be there.
0: Let's talk about the Oregon coast along Highway 101. It's called the People's Coast because most of it has been kept accessible to all people. The Northern California coast may be more dramatic. We describe it in Episode 32. It's world known. But what are the special things about the Oregon coast? If you look at the area, some of the things that define it is obviously the natural beauty.
1: But there's also this sense as you travel to some of the small towns along the coast, and they do range from more casual traditional small town environments to things that are more upscale, if you think of maybe Carmel in California, where it's pricier art galleries and pricier restaurants. But there's also this interesting sense of history, and it's kind of around the maritime history, whether it's Cannon Beach, which is about 80 miles, I think, outside of Portland which is one of those more upscale communities, but it's named Cannon Beach because a cannon washed up from a shipwreck. So there's this sense that while it's it's laid back and it's fun and it's artsy, there's also this sense of import over just what it means when humans venture out onto the water and how dangerous it is. And there's a lot of you know World War II history. As you're exploring and looking at these beautiful things, you'll come across a landmark commemorating something profound. And there's a variety of of wonderful museums dotting that entire coast.
0: I know there are many lighthouses. There are shipwrecks. Lots of history, as you said. You can feel it. It's a palpable feeling when you you go clear and clean and lovely and not very crowded. And when you go to certain times of the year and certain times of the day, it's a, a good place to get away. Let me ask you about the Oregon Dunes. That's another region that's kind of surprising.
1: Yeah, really phenomenal, like something cinematically out of, I don't know, maybe George Lucas would have created one of his desert planets. Really phenomenal. And there's events that are held around there that draw people from all over the world to go and experience again. You think of the Pacific Northwest and you're thinking all these lush trees and forests, but then you have this amazing, almost desert scape with the dunes. Yeah, it's
0: a high desert and you don't Mm -hmm. expect it. It's so close to the coast. Uh, What are a few highlights of Inland Oregon? Ashland is one of them. Tell us about that little town. Ashland
1: is one of my absolute favorite spots in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, If you're coming out of Northern California, you drive up and over the Siskiyou Pass, as you come down, you drop into this picturesque little valley. And it's absolutely adorable. And up to the west is a mountain range kind of going up into Mount Ashland at the highest peak. And there's, just like the rest of the Pacific Northwest, there's skiing, there's hiking, there's whitewater rafting. But the little town of Ashland is nestled right up against the foot the, the foothills there. And it is extremely artistic and eclectic. And my favorite reason for going to Ashland is that every year from April to October, they hold the Shakespeare Festival, the Oregon Shakespeare oh. Festival, which has been going on since the 1930s. Wow. And there are some phenomenal, there's three main venues. Two of them are indoor. And one is called the Allen Elizabethan Theater and it is an outdoor theater and the entire stage and the areas adjacent are all decorated to look like Tudor row houses from London
0: wow. back in
1: Shakespeare's time. And I cannot explain what it feels like to sit there outdoors, feeling like you're living back in Shakespeare's time, breathing and, and smelling the air and having Henry V put on by, and this is one of the best parts, it attracts. It's it's won a Tony in the past. It attracts actors, amazing caliber actors. Absolutely,
0: from- the beautiful places always do. They know where to go. They <laughs> sounds do. perfect. Uh, another piece of perfection is Crater Lake. That's also has to be one of the most beautiful, clearest, bluest lakes on earth. Tell us about it.
1: Phenomenal spot. You know, there's so many glacier-fed lakes around the world that people take photos of, Moraine Lake up in Canada and, and some of these other places. And, and the water is always, it's beautiful, but it, it's not completely transparent. And Crater Lake has the distinction of not only being the deepest lake in the United States but it was Mount Mazama. It was a volcano and it collapsed in on itself 7,000 years ago. And has been catching clear, pristine rainwater ever since. So the wow. water is sapphire blue and it's absolutely magical.
0: I was told you can swim in it but it's very very cold. Have you heard of anyone who's done that? It
1: it is very very cold and Leah,
0: if I can share
1: this little tidbit. It's a little bit it's a little bit out there but it's a really fun uh, and interesting tidbit. When you talk to some of the park rangers up there, they will explain some of the a little bit darker history of Crater Lake. There have been a lot of folks, unfortunately, who have committed suicide there. And the way that they do it is they literally walk into the lake and they never come out. Oh, my.
0: I can see you're a crime thriller writer. (laughs) It's coming out. But what's interesting
1: is even the indigenous peoples who've been there for mm. thousands of years have talked about this dynamic and they say that the water draws you in. And when I've been there, the, the, the two times I've visited, if you're up at the rim looking down, you get some severe wind up there, as you can imagine. And the wind chill itself goes right through. You might as well be in Chicago on the lake. It goes right into your bone marrow. And it is just amazing the amount of, but again, there's treasures that are waiting. And there is a beautiful lodge up on the crater where you can pop in. It was built turn of the last century. And you can pop in beautiful, massive fireplaces and grab a grilled
0: cheese and some Mm. soup and cuddle up and warm up before you head back out. Oh my goodness. Sounds delicious. How about Jacksonville? That's a gold rush city. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Jacksonville is very fun. It's about 20, 30 minutes outside of Ashland. And it's kind of running along that same mountain range that's separating the inland from the coast. And it is a magical, tiny little town. A lot of people miss it. and They head up to Medford or Portland, wherever they're going. But it's well worth the stop. There's only a couple of blocks of historic 1800s buildings. And just on the periphery of the town is a little theater that has drawn amazing acts from all over the world. I think Steve Martin went there on one of his tours with his his banjo. And it's because the acoustics, the natural acoustics of the land formation, create one of the best sound systems,
0: really. <laughs> That well, that I know there's, there's a either. Brit Music and Art Festival in the summer yes, yes, very well that's very well known, they, and I'm yes. sure that helps. Yes, Sounds like a gorgeous place it. to do it.
1: Yep, absolutely. Well,
0: <laughs> I, I sometimes, when I'm doing these, want to go so badly, I want to get right off the the podcast and go run and travel to these places. They sound so wonderful. I've been there, but I want to go back. Now, I, I did go to a cave, the Oregon Caves National Monument. At 4,000 feet, and it's a marble cave, and it's there's lots of twisting passages, spelunking, I guess the name would be, or just walking on a yes. floor in a cave. There's so much to see and do in Oregon, but let's move northward a bit to Washington state, the smaller of the two Pacific Northwestern states we're talking about. And it includes greater Seattle, which is the largest metropolitan area in the Pacific Northwest, with a population of almost 4 million. Now, I know from the classic comedy series, Frasier, that Seattle is rainy and has lots of coffee houses. But what are some of your favorite Seattle things?
1: So in the city No trip is complete without the visit to Pike Place. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) We all do it. Yes. And it's so funny for those who've never been, it's literally you walk out and you can see the water. So there's this natural vibe with the fresh air coming in, you know, the fresh breezes. And then it's everything you can imagine. Of course, there's a predominant lean towards fresh seafood. And it's amazing. But there's flowers and there's cheese being made and fresh pastas and everything is displayed. Everything, everywhere you look is eye candy. I think back to the the pasta shop that I walked by and just walking through the sights, the smells, the little artisans who have, you know, sculpted characters out of volcanic rock or painters, you name it. Well, tell us about the famous fish throwing. The fish throwing was something I kind of stood back from, <laughs> literally, just because I cannot imagine. I, I I tried my hand at fishing. I was not good at the whole "how do you hold a slippery creature" thing. But it is impressive to watch, and there is so much energy. It always draws crowds, and and these are not small fish that they're throwing. No, they're
0: not. They're big.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's like some three foot fish getting tossed. Yeah up and over counters out into the audience and back and and sometimes they do let the audience now did you do that leah did you
0: i did and i actually caught it (laughs) i caught it oh my gosh (laughs) i i I remember that very well but uh yeah it's something that that i guess you might want to think about doing if you go to seattle how about Pioneer Square? That's one of the most interesting neighborhoods because it's very historic. It has a lot of Renaissance revival architecture. But the main thing that's interesting is the underground. There's a absolutely interesting subterranean city, really. It was buried after an 1889 fire. So there's lots of ruins there and all sorts of interesting shops and ruins of things that you can visit. Have you? Have you yes. You and in fact, back?
1: a little silly side note, when I was a little girl, I watched used to watch Scooby-Doo, the cartoon. And there's an episode that takes place where they go into the Seattle underground. So that was always something that was on my to-do list. The fact that it's subterranean, just like any place, if you go to the catacombs in, in Rome or, or wherever you are, there's this hushed sense and presence again. So there's the sense of curiosity. What is this? And how did they build above it? But then on the other side of the coin, it's a a profound experience being where people used to live and they are no longer there.
0: And why? Well, Washington's on Puget Sound, which is a beautiful inlet of the Pacific Ocean. And it's one of the places where you can watch whales and walk along. And then there's Snoqualmie Falls. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yes. Which is very famous.
1: Yes. Snoqualmie Falls is absolutely gorgeous. Again, one of these cliff scenarios where there's this epic amount of water rushing over hundreds of feet. And what's fun is there is a lookout point, but you can also take a trail down to the base of the falls, which is beautiful. And you get that sense, that absolute rush when nature is sending how many gallons your way per per minute. Many tons. (laughs) And there's also an amazing resort there up on the top and wonderful food. But they also, if you stay there, they have an entire room where you can do yoga, which has a glass wall looking out over the falls. Oh, wow.
0: Downward dog with a view. Yes, I like it. (laughs) Well, you can't see Mount Rainier or Mount Rainier, as I'm sure it's pronounced, from Snoqualmie Falls. But I have been told that on a clear day, you can see it from most parts of the city and that the best view, somebody told me, is from Cary Park. Just a little tip. Absolutely. Cary Park is tiny.
1: It's not necessarily the the park that you want to have on your list because you want to see things, you know, there's things to do or or things to see. It's very small. But the view, and like you said, if you can hit Cary Park at night on a clear night, the view of the city is spectacular.
0: And on a moonlit night, I would assume the best, right? Absolutely. Well, the Space Needle is another place where there's a great view. It was built 60 years ago for a World's Fair. And it's recently been updated with tilting glass benches. So it's a little bit more exciting than just uh, going there. There is a revolving glass floor. It's the world's first and only revolving glass floor to eat, have a little lunch or whatever. So I think that's still something. It's a mid-century, modern, beautiful icon of the city, and, and you can't miss it. So we should mention that one, surely. Now, Seattle is on the Olympic Peninsula, where your crime thriller, Dark Obsessions, takes place. So you know this place, Upside Down and Backwards. It has forests, it has coasts, it has mountain ecosystems. What's your favorite part of this gorgeous peninsula?
1: My favorite part is the land that is part of the reservation, the Macaw Reservation is, is a large area, and there is a town there called Nia Bay, which is beautiful, tiny little town. There's a little marina, and it is active. Everybody's, you know, you're seeing the ships come in and out every day. And what's so fun about it is when we talk about the United States and we go from one coast to the other, this is the spot that is the northwest most contiguous point of the United States. And that actual spot is called Cape Flattery. And it juts out. So on one side, if you imagine the peninsula on the right or east side is the Puget Sound. Then up along the top is the Strait of San Juan de Fuca. And then on the left side or the west side is the Pacific Ocean. So Cape flattery is, is literally jutting out into the Pacific and into the strait.
0: The tall pines and wonderful evergreens and mountain backdrops. The whole area is, is one of beauty, fine food. Well, the name of the podcast, Marie, is Places I Remember. I have a quick memory before I ask yours, because we're talking about all this food. And I remember an ice cream cone I had in Portland, Oregon, Forget Plain Vanilla. I still remember the description of the ingredients, which I had written down in a journal. Strawberry honey balsamic vinegar with cracked black pepper, double-fold vanilla, and freckled woodblock chocolate. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Does that sum it up? (laughs) You just described heaven. I just described (laughs) the the Pacific Northwest, the the wonderful creativity and and the love of of good things. How about you? What's Uh, a special memory?
1: One of my most special memories was... When I was in Portland and I went out to the the falls that I mentioned earlier, Multnomah Falls, where there's this stepping down of the water. And I went down to the base. There's this this huge area that nature has eroded away and there's rocks that have, have been worn smooth all over. And it's very dangerous goings. But I went out with my brother and we got really close. And the closer we got to the falls the more the spray and the pressure off of it. And we stayed there for a few minutes. And when we took the trail and got back to our car, we didn't talk the entire time. And when we finally got back to the car, he said, how do you feel right now? How do you feel in this moment? And I said, if someone said it was my time to leave here and I had to go, it would be okay. I
0: I felt so at peace in a way that I just have never experienced. Well, thank you for sharing and for sharing so much information about this wonderful part of America. Thank you, Marie Sutro, bestselling author of Dark Obsessions. I hope I go back and I'm sure you will as well. It's a pleasure. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Leah.
0: Thanks for listening to our award-winning podcast. We've recorded over a 100 episodes of Places I Remember, so follow us on any podcast app. And new monthly episodes are also on YouTube with gorgeous video. My book, Places I Remember, is available in print and Kindle, and I read the audio version. Follow my travel writing at Forbes.com. Contact me at the links in the show notes or on my website, places. I remember and keep making your own travel memories.